Hi, Madison. How's it going, Joe? Girl. <laughs> it was going better, like, I don't know, 30 minutes ago? Uh, yeah. So we had a little technical difficulty getting this recording started. We are still beginners. Yes, we are. <laughs> so if you listen to episode two, you can have some grace for us in our beginner-ness. Thank you yeah. for your patience. Madison brought me Sonic today. No pretzel, but still Sonic. Thank you for that. You're welcome. We wrapped up some glasses. We did. We just finished up hand sewing and weaving today. And then tomorrow is space camp. Space camp. Okay, so today we're going to talk about perfectionism, being a perfectionist, our experiences with that, what creativity has to say about it. I actually don't know the answer to this question. Are you a perfectionist? I would classify myself as a, perfe as a perfectionist, but as I started thinking about being a perfectionist, I thought maybe not everyone is a perfectionist, but a lot of people think they are. So what do you, do you think that everyone's a perfectionist? <laughs> okay, it's funny you should say that because I had the same question and I wanted to have the perfect answer to it. So <laughs> I looked up the definition. <laughs> oh, please do. Okay, I have it written down. So yes. um, this says that perfectionism is a personality trait characterized by a person's striving for flawlessness and setting high performance standards accompanied by critical self-evaluation and concerns regarding others' evaluation of them. So I guess here are like maybe three and a half things that I would pull out of that then as far as being parts of a, being a perfectionist. Yeah. One is that idea of striving for flawlessness. Okay. Two would be setting high performance standards. Oh, okay. And then the last thing would be um, the critical self-evaluation or being concerned about other people having a critical evaluation of you. That sounds like a lot to keep in just one personality trait. This, this article, which was on Wikipedia, also <laughs> said that psychologists acknowledge that it holds multitudes, like that there are different ways that perfectionism can manifest itself. And so someone might not have all of those things. Okay, like not all three of those particular things that or you Or in the way out. that they would combine and stuff. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. We're, I feel like we should have a disclaimer. I have not, I can't speak on this from like a clinical point oh, of view. Yeah, neither can I. That is not my area of expertise. So maybe we manage some of these high performance standards by saying primarily, I think this will end up being a conversation about our personal experiences with perfectionism the perfectionism that we see participants at Make Do struggle with, and then how creativity um, can help influence. Maybe it's almost medicinal for um, perfectionism. Yes. Or sometimes I think that process the, the creative process can sometimes make it worse if not handled correctly. Like I think about when I was in art class in eighth grade, and we were painting with coffee. Um, and my teacher said, why are you using this tiny brush? Because you know, we had a huge sheet of paper that we were working on. And I said, well, I don't, I don't want to make a mistake. And so I spent hours on this like 
on this painting with this tiny brush because I just could not let myself make a mistake and leave that on the paper. Um, so maybe I, I needed someone to tell me that it was, that it didn't need to be perfect. Right. Like push me out of that other than just saying, hey, use a bigger brush. I think I don't want to jump ahead too far because I think what you're saying is maybe what we want to talk about later okay. about what creativity has to say. Put so a pin in that, folks. Hold that thought. Put a sewing pin in that. Yeah. In, in the spirit of not being a perfectionist, Joe told me to write down five things about perfectionism, and I only wrote down four. So one of them that I was that I was thinking about as I was just brainstorming that perfectionism is sometimes I think people want to see it as a negative, but it's also like a humble brag. Yes, that's the first thing that I had written down too. Eee. I feel like it is an acceptable issue. It's Or it's like a, a trait that we esteem in other people, I think especially as Americans. Yes, like if I went into a job interview and like, oh, I'm such a perfectionist. Yeah, when they ask you what's your greatest weakness. Yes. It's a perfectionist. I just work too hard. I have that written down. Interview <laughs> response. It's the kind. It's like the same thing as like saying, "Oh, I'm so busy. Yeah, I just have so much exactly. to do." When that's not really a good thing. So simultaneously, humble brag, and like, if you think about it, not really a good thing to be. You want time for yourself. You want to be able to make mistakes, and perfectionism. I think kind of keeps you from being able to do that. And I think this is why it's a problem. I mean, we say, oh, we're a perfectionist when they ask us what our greatest weakness is. So we're acknowledging, oh, yeah, this should be a problem. But also it makes me really good at my work. It makes on the yes. on the outcome side of things, being a perfectionist, it, it is good to have people on your team who care about the outcome of their work. Yeah. But for me, in my perfectionism, I find it completely debilitating. Yes. When I don't know what to do or how to move forward without making a mistake, it's like I just freeze. I just sit down wherever I am at and, like, cannot get up and, and move, take a step forward. I That makes me think about my reaction uh, to you know, being a perfectionist is, uh, and my husband will attest to this, I have an anger issue. And so, uh, especially when I'm trying to create a garment and it's not working out how I like, I become very aggressive to the point that sometimes uh, I, I have destroyed some of my own work in my anger. I thought you were going to say you had destroyed your husband. Oh. <laughs> no, there is a wall at my parents' house that has a hole in it because of my anger. From you? From me. Yes. I'm going to scoot my chair back a little bit. <laughs> that was a long time ago, but my perfectionism sometimes makes me very angry with myself and destructive. And maybe even a little bit less than that, but in the same vein, I think even just the frustration that being um, obsessed isn't the word that I want to say, but okay, fixated, mm -hmm. the a downside of being fixated on perfectionism is that it completely robs you of the joy of the experience. Ooh, yes. So one of the things that we were talking about in the episode on being a beginner is that there is like there is a joy in being a beginner in learning new things, but as soon as you bring in 
those expectations or those high standards, whether you're putting them on yourself or someone else is putting them on you, you can no longer have hold both the joy of the thing that you're doing and the expectations at the same time. Yeah. It just keeps, it, it chains you down, keeps you from being free and enjoying it. And still though, the message of being perfect is, I think we are constantly bombarded with it. Oh, in what ways? Okay, so we hear practice makes perfect. Oh, yeah. And so I hear people actually say that a lot at Make Do, and I don't think that practice makes perfect. I think that, like, practice makes patience. Practice makes you persistent. Practice is going to move you further along than where you are now. But I don't know that... um, that idea of perfect. I don't think we should end the sentence with perfect. With practice makes perfect. Yeah. Does that mean that perfectionism is something that we learn through our culture, through our parents, through the ether? (laughs) I don't know. Well, because I think for it expresses itself in different ways for different people, right? If I think back of like stories to when I was young, see the debilitating nature of perfectionism. Well, here's an example. So I played softball, and I was a short, strong, little fifth grader. All right. And I could hit home runs in practice all practice long. Just swing, hit the ball, it would go so far. Any ball. It could even <laughs> be, like, on the ground, and I could hit it. As soon as we were in a game, yeah. I couldn't swing the bat. Oh, dear. Because I was so scared of either getting out or – of not hitting a home run oh my that word. I couldn't swing. That's not how you play the game no. of softball. Like, my team did not need me to get a home run every time I was at bat. My team needed me to swing the bat and move the runners around the base. That's it. But I had internalized from somewhere this expectation of um, being impressive. yeah. That then when I thought, well, I I don't know that I can do that, I just couldn't even try. That stinks. That, again, that freezing up, that inability to act, which is weird because in some in some ways, perfection for me can sometimes be a motivator mm-hmm. where it pushes me to be better, but it's a negative one versus um, ambition. So I don't think the two things are the same. You can be an ambitious person without being a perfectionist. You can still continue to strive to be better without the negative effects of perfectionism. Well, an ambition is going to come with its own, like, negative side of the coin, too. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, maybe it's just a balance of those two things. (laughs) Here's another kind of sports thing. I was a competitive swimmer. And we had swim shirts, like team shirts on the back of them. They said, good, better, best, never let it rest till my good is better and my better best. Oh, my goodness. That's a mouthful. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I see where that's coming from in the sense of, I mean, I guess like I was saying before, how practice makes you persistent. Like you you have to push through those sticking points. Um the plateaus, when you're not seeing improvement, like you can't just quit. So I get that point of it. Yeah. But that idea that your good is not good enough, 
that good yeah. is only worthwhile if it's leading you to better and that better only holds value when it's a stepping stone to best is the part that I think is detrimental. And maybe not to every personality, but when I look back, that kind of language was extremely <laughs> detrimental to me, being able to fully experience good. Like, yes. good is good. It's good for a reason. Right. It's not just <laughs> fine. It's good. So I'm reminded of when I teach, specifically when I teach kids math, um, and they're getting really frustrated, and they're like, I just can't do it. I said, are you giving me your best? They're like, yes, I've tried my best. I was like, that's all I need. And they kind of get this look on their face like, um, what? No, this, this, that's not how this works. I said, all I need you to do is give me your best, and that is going to be good enough. Regardless of whether or not you've made a mistake, just give me what you got. And if that's it, cool. I can't ask any more of you. I think we ask too much of ourselves as perfectionists. We demand, we demand out of ourselves something that perhaps we cannot give. And we're looking, are we looking at what other people are able to do and then comparing ourselves to what they can accomplish and thinking we should be able to do the same? Yeah, I think that holds a big part of it, that whole comparison thing. No, one, no two people on this earth are exactly the same. So to try and compare yourself to someone else's accomplishments is not fair. All that you need to compare yourself to, well, not even compare. The, thing that, the question you need to ask yourself is, did I give it my best? Yes or no? And depending on that, then you can change your course of action. Yeah. That just makes me think, I've already told this story, but when um, Muli, my mom, uh, that first week we were making masks and it was like bananas and I didn't know how we were going to get everything done and I was having a breakdown and she asked me if I did my best that day. Yeah. And I said, well, yes, but I don't think that's enough. Like I want to be impressive. I want to do mm-hmm. more than my best. Like I don't want to be limited by my best on any given day. To ask more of yourself causes what? What were you feeling Oh, it causes nothing but horrible, horrible (laughs) feelings. All (laughs) kinds of them. All (sighs) kinds of them. I think I'm more motivated. My perfectionism is more motivated by that um, outward evaluation. Yes. Versus internal evaluation. So back to that definition from Wikipedia on perfectionism, where it said that it's accompanied by critical self-evaluation and concerns regarding others' evaluations. I think that my concerns are more with what other people are thinking about me. I think mine differs a little bit in that I have very high standards for myself. I tend to hold those standards to other people as well. Mm. I expect good things from me, and so I expect everyone else to function on that same level. It's silly because I don't even make my own levels um, that I ask of myself. So how can I ask someone who isn't me to try and reach that level of accomplishment or that level of attention to detail. Well, and I think that's a really good point then of why it's important to recognize perfectionism in ourselves and go to great lengths to rid ourselves (laughs) of it, to get rid of perfectionism completely and perfectly. Mm -hmm. Because it is a barrier to relationship. Yes, it is. Well, for me specifically in, in some of my relationships... 
it keeps me from being able to give grace to people. Well, I do it this way, so why can't, you know, someone else do it this way? Right. And, yeah, it does keep me from making friends with some people or connecting with others. Well, and then what are um, those people, what lessons are they learning about themselves in those interactions with you? Oh, they're definitely learning things like, well, she thinks less of me if I do something, or I am defined by whatever trait I'm, I'm holding them accountable to. And that's not fair. Humans are complex beings. We can have bad days. Your best on one day may be, a different, may be different than your best on the next day. I was just thinking about how yes, yesterday when we were recording, I was like, I don't think that was my best. <laughs> we don't have enough um, experience under our belt to compare to. Yeah, I guess that's so. true. But, <laughs> but again, that's me holding myself to those high standards again. And I thought that was just not my best. That was just not good. But for the day that I had, that just might have been my best. And that's yeah. all I had to give. Yeah. And also we aren't, I'm trying to think of, you know, just podcasts I love. I don't know. I can only think of one podcast that I've listened to their beginning episodes. Really? You don't go back I to the think, beginning? And, uh-uh. Oh. I don't think so. I mean, if I had, it's been a while before it was ever even something that was on my mind. So uh, now when I'm like, okay, what do we need to do to start our podcast? I just have these other podcasts in mind that I enjoy who've been doing it for two years, years three yeah. years. Yeah. And so then I think, well, I want, I want to be able to connect with people that I don't know, just like those people are connecting with me. And I just have this level of uh, expectation, these high standards of perfectionism yes. um, for that. But this is only episode three. If everything gets released yes. in order. Because who even knows? We may change things up. But our perfectionism might get the better of us, and these episodes might get buried in the nether land. (laughs) Well. No, we won't. Okay, this got me thinking. And maybe this doesn't really connect with perfectionists. But when I start something, I have this image in mind of I want to be here. So for knitting, I want to knit a sweater. But I know that as a beginner that I won't be able to do that. I have to work out all of those mistakes before I move on to the sweater. Mm -hmm. And I can't even let myself say the words, there will be mistakes in that sweater. Like that just doesn't feel good in my soul. But that's probably the truth. So, yeah, I think that's why I wanted to have this conversation right alongside with that conversation of being a beginner because especially as adults, a lot of times it's been so long since we've been new or been a beginner at something that we forget what it's like to have to go through that process of being a beginner and the frustration that comes along with it. And so we bring those levels, especially if you're geared towards having some of these aspects of perfectionism, we bring those high standards into the situation of being a beginner. Yes. And that's not fair to the process. It's not fair to yourself. It's not fair to knitting. 
Like yeah. you might decide you hate knitting because you make some mistakes, but that Madison, oh. that's not knitting's fault. I guess not. I guess <laughs> it's just part of the process. Yeah. Um, going back to the uh, others evaluation, I'm reminded of um, my homegirl, Brene Brown. Love her. She talks about if if you do find there are others who are evaluating your job on something and that matters to you, remember that those people, like those people may not be putting themselves in the same vulnerable situation that you're doing in being a beginner or starting um, a creative process. Um, realize where those where those evaluations are coming from. If they're not out there doing doing the same things, maybe you shouldn't oh, bother listening. That's assuming that people are even giving me evaluations. It has <laughs> ne- most of my problems are not because people have given me constructive feedback and criticism yeah. and a negative evaluation. Most of it is me making up what they might think, or it's a fear of what other people are going to think about whatever project it is that I'm releasing out. I mean, I can just look back at the history of even make do. So this is me as an adult, how debilitating it was for me every step of the way when I didn't know how to do something perfectly. The first thing I had to do was come up with a name for make do. How'd that go? It took me months. I was living at my parents' house. Y'all, I was 30. Is that right? 30 or 31. Yeah. Living with my parents for four months, moping on the couch. I would leave for an hour at a time to go coach swimming. And then I would come home and I would mope on the couch even more because I could not come up with a name. And finally, my daddy was like, Joe, give it a name. Name it something. It doesn't have to be the name you keep. You just have to have something to fill out the paperwork. Yeah. And I remember thinking, what do you mean it doesn't have to be the name that I keep? It, You're going to be married to this name, this Joe. This feels like the biggest deal. Yeah. And then everything, every step along the way, every decision that I made for Make Do felt like it was the biggest deal. Yeah. This is how experience can help us kind of manage our own. It helps me manage my perfectionism because now I can look back over the five years since Make Do was very first born on paper and the three years since we were born here in Circe in the studio. And I can see how that first offering that I gave the community, it didn't matter if it was perfect or not because it can change. Like now I have a little bit more experience to remind myself of that when it's time to start something new. A thought just popped into my head. Mm also part of my perfectionism is if I get everything right the first time, then I don't have to hear other people's criticism because I take criticism real personally. Okay. Yeah. And so if I get it right the first time, then I never have to hear that. But also if I never hear criticism, I don't get to grow. Right. So it's almost like I'm sometimes we get things right on accident. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, that's half of my watercolor paintings. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, that looks pretty. Didn't plan that, but man, that's nice. Well, and you know, we are so quick to pass off our successes. Like, to say, oh, I don't know how that was a success. Oh, yeah. It's easy for us to not take ownership of the things we do well. But then on the opposite side of that, we completely own everything that goes wrong. Absolutely. 
and how unfair that is <laughs> to ourselves because if you're not going to own the good things, then you also can't own the bad. I'm not saying we should not take ownership for our actions. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying at all. Just if we can be so easy to pass off anything we good we do as a fluke or, you know, beginner's luck or whatever, but yeah. we can't have that same grace on our mistakes. Again, it comes back to that you are keeping yourself from joy by not not allowing yourself to enjoy the good things and taking that criticism and being able to grow from it to get even better. Perfectionism not only locks you in fear from being from being able to make choices, but it also keeps you from being able to grow. And I do think that perfectionism and I don't know if I even want to use that same word, but I do think that um, there are things we can learn from it and it can be beneficial. So one yeah. of them you already touched on, I think you were talking about like motivation. Yes. Like motivation to improve, motivation to reach our goals, motivation to keep going along the process and not be satisfied with where we are now. Yes. To not get complacent. Right. I think another thing is that, and this is kind of related, that um, looking at something and thinking, oh, I can do better than that. This isn't ready for the world yet, or I don't want to share this yet. That's good because it can help push us beyond mediocrity. Mm -hmm. um, and it can help us make something better. It can add value to that thing that we're trying to do. Sure. I've tried to change how I think of the word perfect um, in these past years. I don't think of perfect as being without blemish or flaw, but instead as perfection being whole or mm. complete. Mm -hmm. So maybe that thing you are working on is not yet fully formed and developed. So you're not ready to put it out there, but when it, it will become perfect when it is complete or you can why can't we put something out that's not complete you could also do that too so and that this leads us really well into the idea of how creativity can influence perfectionism in us for the better I, I think that it helps us refocus on the process of something and be less focused on the outcome now not at the beginning and not always. I think that that takes a lot of time. Yes. But that's one thing that I have seen as people have come to make do, especially in the longer, like the six-week quilting class. Um, I see people come in with this really high expectation of perfectionism or what their quilt is going to look like. And then at the end, they have enough time to kind of let go of those expectations of the outcome and focus more on the process. So maybe perfectionism is not great at the beginning, but in the middle, as you're trying to move towards developing that yes. skill, might help that motivation. Yeah, and goes back to that idea of pushing us past, like, mediocrity. Yeah. So I send out um, a survey to everyone, like a, a pre-quilting class survey to everyone who is coming to the quilting class. And last year, so I pulled our numbers from last year just to see what people said. You brought us some data today. I brought data that is specific to make do, so it could potentially still be anecdotal. Okay. But it does show the connection between creativity and this idea of being perfect. So the question that I ask, and it's people rate themselves on a scale of one to five. The statement says, I have high expectations for myself, I strive for perfection. 
Okay. And so 75% of participants answer between a four and a five, either give themselves a four or a five. Wow. And the majority of that 75% say give themselves a five. Really? That they have high expectations for themselves. Interesting. You might say a majority of people that we have experienced through here that deal with perfectionism. Yeah. Wow. I think the, the majority of people deal with it in some way. There are some good things and bad things to perfectionism, but what are some ways that we can like help to manage it? Personally? Yeah. Tell, tell us, Joe. how do you manage <laughs> your perfectionism? One thing that taught, that has really helped me, this is in the last four months. This is a, something I learned in COVID. We just have to get it out. Just when I say it, I don't mean the perfectionism, the project. We just have to do it. So two things that we did pretty close together were quarantine craft camp, right, when everything shut down. Yep. We did not launch that perfectly, but it was good, and I think people really enjoyed it. And the second thing, oh, and I still, this is one is also almost hard for me to talk about, is the masks. Like, um, when I think back to our first version of the masks that yes. we were doing, um, and we were using like just elastic that we had. And then we ran out of that elastic. And so we were using double fold elastic. Like if you've ever had an, um, like the hair ties, help me explain. Yes. So it's like soft elastic that has like a, that has a thinner part down the middle. So it folds very easily and it usually comes in very like decorative colors. Yeah. So you probably have used a hair tie that's like that. It's yes. like tied in a knot on one end and it's got the loose ends that are yes. tied in a knot and then it's mm -hmm. stretchy. Yeah. So we, someone gave us thousands of those and oh, we yeah. were using those for um, ear loops. Which turned out to be more comfortable than the original elastic. Yes. But they still were not, they weren't ideal because they would come unfolded and yeah, it just wasn't. And I was great. never totally sold on them. And then I sent a, I sent them to someone like as a they hadn't ordered them. I just like sent them to someone on yeah. social media. And she was very kind and thanked me and all of that. Oh yeah. And then later, I don't know, like a week later, she was sharing her favorite masks with her followers yeah. and she said, I really like the ones with the thinner straps best. I came into the studio and I told Madison, I said, we have to change this. Mm -hmm. We have to do something different. And so that's almost embarrassing to me to even tell that story because one, she was making no comment at all on our masks. Oh, absolutely not. But she had said, I, here are the ones that are my favorite. And the, the part of me that wants to be the best and that wants to be impressive and like, oh, my gosh, we make the best masks that make do. Yeah. Wanted her to share our masks as the best. But she was right in the sense that the thinner straps are more comfortable. They are. And so that is where the perfectionism pushed us past mediocrity into something better that added value to our masks. And now we use knit ear loops and they are so soft and so fabulous. Oh yes. They are the best part of the new masks. You had asked how I, how to deal with perfectionism. Yeah. What I was trying to say in all of those two stories about how make do has shifted during COVID is that I'm learning to just take the next step. I don't have to have the whole path charted out. I don't have to know even exactly where 
we're going. Yeah. I just say, hey, you know what? This sounds fun. It fits into Make Do's mission. Let's take a step forward. Yeah. Oh, hey, we can take another step. We can take another step. That is how I would deal with it. Kind of set the expectations aside. Yes. And focus back on the process and your mission. And that can be your mission personally, like your personal Mm -hmm. mission. And just take the next step towards that. The process will shape the outcome. One of the things that I wanted to share with people on being a perfectionist, how to deal with it, kind of leads into that. Um, I wrote down, spoiler, you can always improve. Mm -hmm. So even when you think you've hit, this is the pinnacle of what I can do. If you've still got time left, if you're still breathing, you can still improve on what you're doing. Right. And those improvements don't negate the value of the previous work that you've done. Absolutely not. In my closet right now, I have the first pencil skirt I ever made. When I made that, I thought I did the best job. Everything was stitched correctly and right. I've had it for a few years now and I don't wear wear it anymore. Why? Well, that's because some of my stitches weren't as perfect as I thought, and they have fallen out. So I have the hem that's coming undone a little bit or a ruffle that's not quite stitched down all the way. But I still keep it because I was proud of that thing that I made at the beginning. And now I'm to a point where I'm tackling even bigger things. Like I'm ta- right now I'm working on tailoring and learning how to do that. I'm not going to let my perfectionism of, oh, well, this was perfect, so I no longer need to continue to learn. I'm not going to let that stop me from pushing on and doing better. Learning more. Yeah. In line with that, just to kind of go back to some data. (laughs) Again, I just think creativity lends itself so well to helping us deal with these issues. You know, I asked people at the beginning of a quilting class how many of them struggle. I don't use that word, but perfectionism is, you know, something that they're dealing with. And at the end, I send an exit survey, and the question is, did this class change how you think about perfection? Ooh. And so, let's see, 72% of people answered either four or five, that it had some sort of significant impact on how they think about perfection. So I wanted to just read a couple of those responses. Well, one, here's the first comment that someone said, not really. (laughs) Okay. But they maybe didn't struggle with perfection to begin with. Possibly not. Maybe you're part of the lucky 25% that come through our doors and don't struggle with it. Here's one. I have had to learn that not everything will be perfect. Oh. This person was taking it with their granddaughter. And so she says her granddaughter stayed with it and finished the task with its imperfections and all. Imperfection can still be pretty. Nothing is going to be perfect. That is so true. And... The next time, look at the clothes you buy in the store because they're not perfect either. Joe, don't get me even started. (laughs) If you choose to start sewing your own clothes, you are going to realize what hot garbage clothes that we buy at the store are like. However, that is the standard and expectation that we have for our clothing. And it's only when you step back that you think, oh, wow, this is not as great as I originally thought it was. So... Part of that perfection is that image that you have in your head of, like, this is what it's supposed to be. 
This person says, I would rank my perfectionism pretty high. The beauty of quilting is that most mistakes, such as crooked lines or uneven edges, will be covered by the end or will nonetheless go unnoticed. It made life easier for me as we progressed in class. Ooh. I just think how much we make it so difficult on ourselves when we're focused on every mistake at every step of the way and we don't see the big picture. So we end up spending our energy on forcing ourselves to be the best, even beyond what we can give, instead of spending that energy continuing to try and push through that hard thing. There's plenty of hard things that we have to do in this life. Why not spend that energy trying instead of pushing ourselves down? Yeah. Just and we'll never finish it if we do that. One thing that I do always say in the quilting class, in other classes too, but especially the quilting class, is that done is better than perfect. Ooh, so why do you mention this in a quilting class? Because in quilting especially, because the process is just so long, and a lot of people have not, I I would say the majority of people have never used a sewing machine before. So we're learning how to use a sewing machine, how to sew straight, how to, the whole, every single step of the process people are learning. And it's very, very easy to get caught up on, oh my gosh, I sewed this one seam crooked. Yes. But your quilt is going to have like, 500 seams in it so no (laughs) one is gonna see that one no and people will spend so much time trying to make everything perfect that they won't finish but if you don't finish it then the quilt is useless and you don't get that high of like I made this thing well so yeah it doesn't even matter if it's perfect if it never gets finished yeah it can't serve its purpose and that Makes me think of my paintbrush story. My art teacher eventually was like, you need to finish this. You need a grade. I was like, oh, you're right. (laughs) She's like, I'm sick of this project. Move on. Yeah. So eventually it pushed me to have to finish that. And you know what's funny? That's the only painting that's hanging on my bedroom wall back home. None of the other paintings that, or paintings or whatever, other art projects that I've done hang up on my wall, but that one does. Why? Because... Uh, That is one painting that I was pushed to do. Also, it's not my best painting either. Okay, that was what I was going to ask. Is it hanging on the wall because it's the masterpiece? No, it's not. As a matter of fact, it's very rudimentary and not great. And, I mean, the colors also go with my room, but that's kind of beside the point. It's because it pushed me to be better. And I find it interesting. And it's a reminder of, hey, you finally did this. Yeah, those things that take work. (laughs) <laughs> Those things that we're not good at at the beginning or that we we have to wrestle with a little bit more are the ones that are more meaningful. It's true. People, I'm, people walk away with their quilts, their looms, their little drawstring pouches, and it's the most precious thing in the world to them because it was, it was earned mm-hmm. with all, even with all its mistakes. That might be another thing that creativity can helps kind of speak into perfectionism about not only, you know, an emphasis on the process, but also that there's more chances. Like you can just oh, keep yeah. going. You can start over. You can try again. You can keep you can start over, you can try again. I said it. I don't know. You, <laughs> you don't just have one shot. And we don't have to be good at everything. 
Oh, that's so true. I had a friend of mine. Let me say that again for myself to hear. Please. We don't have to be good at everything. Yes, it's true. I had a friend of mine tell me, he goes, we spend so much time trying to make the weakest parts of ourselves on the same level as our strongest traits. When in actuality, we should be working to make our strong traits stronger and then find people that help us to fill in the gaps. Part of that filling in the gap is asking other people into your life to help work on those things. And acknowledging that we have gaps to begin with. Yes. Well, Madison, you fill gaps that were at make do that I... <laughs> I'm glad that there was a Madison, Madison-shaped gap there was here at make do. A Madison-shaped gap. Can we come up with some takeaways then for perfectionism? Absolutely. All right. You want to go first? Well, we have gone over a couple. I talked about the fact that you can always improve. You don't have one shot. You can always get better better at something. So trying to be perfect in this one craft, in this one skill, in this one moment in your life is silly. You have many more moments and chances to get it to to completion. That um, leads in well to the first thought that I had, which is to be authentic, to not try so hard to hide your mistakes for the illusion of being perfect. And I think that what you're saying about you always have room to improve, um, if you can share that process with other people, you're giving them permission to also not have to be perfect. Yes. So if I, I mean, let's just talk about running a small business. If I can share the things that are difficult with me, for me, that can give other people encouragement or courage or whatever to handle things that are difficult as well. And so, I mean, sometimes that's on Insta stories, me being like, oh my gosh, this day has been bleh. <laughs> or sometimes it's maybe through this podcast or in conversation or whatever. But if I'm pretending like everything is always perfect or that I don't have problems, then that is not doing anybody else any good. Plus, I'm having, I'm putting up this fake image of what I'm like or, you know, what it's like to, to do what we do here. So... So I think of all of social media when I when you mention that because mm-hmm. we only post the highlights, only right. the good things. It's a filtered version of ourselves. So if you're struggling with perfectionism, maybe stop scrolling. Yeah. If you're ju- if you yeah. want to take up loom weaving and you see all of these lovely weavings on Instagram and you just think I can never get that way, stop scrolling for a few days, then start it. Yes. Spend that time watching like some YouTube tutorials for beginners. Absolutely. Better use of your time. So I guess to summarize what I was saying, it would be to value authenticity over the illusion of being perfect. That's beautiful. Well said. Can Um, you just remind me that (laughs) I said that? I'll just replay this. (laughs) Here you go, Joe. Just remember this. The next time I've gone down a spiral. We've touched on this before already. Um, I wrote down... Maybe a little perfectionism is okay. Mm-hmm. So in the middle of things, when you're trying to strive for improving yourself, maybe a little perfection will help you motivate. Well, just allow yourself that perfectionism to push you through some of the more frustrating moments in the middle. But at the beginning, maybe, maybe cut yourself a break. 
you just set me up so well for my next one every time because my next thought is to step back and take a look at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't mean walk away. You're saying use that tendency toward perfectionism to help you push through the parts where you're feeling stuck. And then I think if you can step back and get a look at the whole picture, and sometimes that's impossible for us to do ourselves and we need other people to help us see the perspective, then you can see that that one thing you are fixating on is not ruining the picture. Yes. And so you can step back in with a renewed sense of excitement for that project and finish it. Absolutely. I do this all the time. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, 30 minute break, step back, then go back to it, try it again, step back. Because you may, you may find out new cool ways of doing things in those moments where you step back. So my third thing is mistakes pave the way to completion. Part of the learning process is making mistakes. It's stupid for you to think that you will be able to learn something perfectly on the first try. Get rid of that notion. The mistakes that you make will help you to remember, oh, I'm supposed to do it this way. Or, okay, that part didn't work out so well, so now I'm going to do it this way. And as you move through that, those mistakes become these sort of stones on which you walk to get to a place where you've reached completion or fullness in something. Well, and the mistakes are actually where we learn, right? Absolutely. Because like we were saying before, sometimes we do it right on accident. So then you haven't really learned anything no. anyway. So you only learn when a mistake happens and you think, wait, what did I do wrong there? Like, let me just tell y'all how long it took us to get the audio set up for this. And we couldn't, there was like this weird sound and I am not pretending that our audio is perfect. I know we got a ways (laughs) to go, but there was this weird hum and this sound. We sounded like we were like underwater and we couldn't figure it out. And Madison finally said, let's unplug everything like we do on the sewing machines. (laughs) (laughs) Just like we're rethreading the sewing. Let's just just rethread all of this. And so we unplugged everything and then it worked. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so maybe the first two times we got it right on accident. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been easy any time yet. No, not yet. So at some point, at some point, we'll be able to set up all this audio equipment in like three minutes. And then we'll have all this extra time to just chat with each other before we actually start <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. Uh, so my final thought is to find people you trust and listen to their honest feedback. Okay. This was the biggest, biggest blessing for me uh, when it came to Make Do. And it started with my board of directors being able to find people that cared greatly for me, but also cared greatly for Make Do. Mm-hmm. And for me to be able, when I have a problem, when I'm feeling like I'm not doing enough, when I feel like a project isn't ready to share, or whatever, that I can share it with them first and trust their feedback. So if they tell me this is great, I can trust that they are not just giving me platitude, that they are not just saying that to be nice. Yes. And I can only trust that because I know that they will also give constructive feedback as well if something needs to change. So is that a relationship that works both ways? If they came to you, would you be the kind of person to give them that kind of criticism I, back? Yes, but 
Well, but because they, as my board of directors, like that that professional relationship. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they aren't really coming to me to ask for feedback on their job. No. So, I mean, if there was a personal thing. I was thinking yes, you, you happen to have a lot of, you have personal relationships with each of your yes, board members. Yes. So I was thinking more on that kind of level. Well, and because they, because we do have that personal relationship, I think they understand my personality and where I'm coming from and um, how to motivate me <laughs> and how to help move me forward. So you're saying that we need to discern who we're sharing whatever the thing is yes. that we're trying to do. Right. Well, because a lot of times with my particular brand of perfectionism, I don't trust the compliments. Okay. I don't trust that if someone says, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. I love that. I don't trust that. I think they're just being nice. Yeah. I think they're just saying that for something to say and because they don't want to hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. So I can only accept the encouragement if I trust that that person is not just being nice. To summarize that, because I think I talked around it a lot, <laughs> is to find people that you trust. And when they tell you something is good, believe them. Just sit in it. Enjoy yeah. that. It doesn't matter the high standards that I have or the flaws that I see if they aren't seeing it. Their perspective is more objective and true than mine. My mother-in-law calls that a uh, take the biscuit. Whenever someone gives you a compliment, you're like, oh, no, that's not really me. She's like, just take the biscuit. Okay. Yeah. I will take that biscuit, and I will put some <laughs> Irish butter on it. Oh, so good. Yum. I feel like I have laid myself bare. No. This was, a, this was a hard one for me. It was hard for me to, I guess, verbalize a lot of you might not be believing that that's true because I said a lot of words, but it was hard <laughs> for me to verbalize the experience of perfectionism, I, I guess, because it feels so true to me and also icky. Like, I don't like that about myself. Yeah. So it, it was weird to talk about. It. I know. But we wanted to open ourselves up so that hopefully other people can benefit from our conversation here and hopefully be willing to do the same and share with us the tips that you have oh please do I don't you. know what yet but we will have an avenue for that there will probably be an Instagram post yeah probably you can share with us your thoughts on being a perfectionist thank you to all the participants who have come taken the quilting class and gave me such great data yes we love that data well, alright well I think this is it I'll see you tomorrow Madison I'll see you tomorrow, Joe. Bye. Bye. Thank you to my dear, dear friend Craig Hudson for our very createful theme music. You can hear more of Craig's music on Spotify under Craig Hudson. That's Hudson with a T. Or you can just uh, click on the link in the show notes. Also, be sure to connect with Make Do on Instagram at Make Do Create or on Facebook at Make Do Cersei. And visit our website, makedocreate.org, for upcoming classes, show notes, to order a face mask, lots of things. We'll be back here with another episode next Monday. Have a good week, y'all.